Very glad indeed to welcome Mary McDonald, who's uh, uh, a senior journalist from Reuters. She's been uh, bureau chief in Delhi. Uh, she's covered the Middle, the Middle East now. She's focused mainly uh, on, on South Asia. Uh, and she's going to talk about new and old media, as we've seen, and it's, she's going to focus particularly on Twitter and the use of Twitter, not just in Reuters, but generally. And she's going to deal particularly with the with the um, case of Pakistan and the, the death of Bin Laden. So she'll speak for about 20 minutes, half an hour or so, and then we'll open it up for discussion and questions. So Myla, thank you very much for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Um, well, before we start, just I've put my, my profile up there. I am, let me say, incredibly old media, far more old media than I care to admit. <laughs> and uh, when I started in journalism, we didn't have internet, we didn't even have mobile phones. So, um, But I've approached kind of new media with the zeal of a, a convert. So um, uh, what I want to show you to start with is a presentation we put together on how Twitter was used um, to report the death of bin Laden. I mean, some of this material you'll be familiar with, um, and um, some of it might be might be new to you. Um, one thing I want to say about Twitter that I think is very important um, before I start is that on the whole, nowadays, um, virtually everything comes on Twitter first, which is a real challenge for mainstream media companies. Um, at the same time, you need to learn to treat it as a source like any other source. And as we all know, and you're all mid-career journalists, um, every single source is unreliable in its own way. So I tend to get a lot of kind of skepticism and hostility to Twitter, um, which kind of is, is, is a bit unproductive in the sense that we all are used to applying that same skepticism if we talk to a government official, if we talk to an army official, if we talk to an intelligence source, our kind of defenses are up already. So you need the same kind of attitude to Twitter. It's, look, it's great, it's a huge, fantastic resource, but also be skeptical, as you would about anything else. Um, now, this presentation, which was put together by my colleague, um, based on some conversations we had, I find is fabulous, because he's, he's, he's shown all the various ways that Twitter um, can be useful. Now, I don't know how many of you are aware that the, um, you, you might have seen that the first person to notice something was happening in Abtabad was um, a guy who lives there, um, who um, started tweeting about what's going on in um, you know, this helicopter hovering over Abtabad. Um, now, I was actually awake that night, and somebody else that I follow on Twitter put something out saying, my goodness, that's really strange. Why is there a helicopter in Abtabad at this time of night? And I just thought, yeah, that's strange, but now I'll go to bed. Um, and it wasn't until I got woken up in the middle of the night, um, sort of a few hours later, that I thought, why did I not think that's strange? Wake up, have a cup of coffee, and pay attention. Um, so um, uh, obviously, you get so many leads on Twitter that you can kind of you can start driving yourself mad by following all of them, but it's a good example of one where you need to jump on it. Um, this guy was the person we actually used in Reuters. We were trying to work out, the Americans had announced that bin Laden had been killed on Sunday, on May 1st, or their announcement was made on May 1st. Um, the actual thing happened on May 2nd, on the Monday in Pakistan. But in the early sort of confusion, um, 
we were desperately trying to work out whether we should say Sunday or Monday. And the, the place we went to was this guy really virtual to check exactly the, the timestamp on his early tweets so that we could be clear that it was the Monday. Very small detail, but actually not that easy to get in the, mid, mid, in the beginning of a very chaotic breaking story. Um, I can, I think I actually put this um, presentation out on my Twitter feed. So if any of you are interested in exploring it further, you can find it and um, go through some of the details. This is amazing, I think, the way what Mark has done is put together the various official announcements that were going on um, in Washington at the time about a big announcement coming up. So you had somebody officially saying Obama's going to speak in Washington. Um, you had simultaneously people then going and saying collective problem solving, going and saying as you see in this, this first tweet, any, idea, any idea what Obama is speaking about, you know, what's happening? Um, now, one thing that Twitter gets used for, and we don't do in Reuters, and I, I try to be really careful not doing it on my own Twitter feed, is other people on Twitter will trade rumors. Um, and watching them trade those rumors is actually really interesting. Um, from the point of view of a a journalist who is associated with Reuters, I have to be more, we all have to be more careful because we don't want to, by putting our name to it, be appearing to be giving any credence to those rumors. So again, it, I think that's true for anybody working for a, an organization with an established brand name is fabulous to watch these rumors going around, but you also have to be very careful not to participate. Um, any more than simply you can ask a question. As you'll see, I did lower down, you'll see something I did. Um, this I, in some ways, looking back and seeing all these, these this conversation going on, um, looking back at it, you actually think, why did nobody, including me, or indeed anybody else in the world, so I'm not going to give myself a hard time about this, put, put together all this talk on Twitter in Washington about Obama's going to speak, what are these rumors, what's happening in Abdabad? It took, nobody did, and it took hours before those various bits of threads began to be connected. A really, really clever person, and I'm glad nobody did it, a really clever person would have seen all that and got it, but... Uh, okay, so you've got this guy now guessing that um, it was either Gaddafi or Bin Laden dead. Um, uh, so, um, so who is the guy now? Michael Cohen? Michael Cohen, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think he, he's one of the Washington think tankers. I don't know him personally. Um, again, if you, if you really want to know, and you, I don't want to spoil the presentation, but if you click through on his name, it'll give it. Um, and, you know, good for him. I'm, I'm saying OBL is dead. I want to be the first on Twitter to engage in complete speculation. That might be correct. And, yeah, I guess he was the first on Twitter. Uh, I, as I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But um, he's, you know, as long as he's not a journalist, he's okay. The, um, yeah, yeah, so... Um, 
who you got, Keith Urban, who actually does know, um, you know, enough enough people for people to respect, and coming out with it, they've killed Bin Laden. Um, and what time was that? That is again, I don't have the timestamp on that. Um, Some, I mean, way before. Obviously. It was before, yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, and. Um, look at this this chart. I mean, it just went like that. You know, everybody just suddenly was retweeting it. Um, and curiously enough, and it would be interesting to go back and check, but I still don't think at that point anybody had yet made the connection with the Abdullah incident. So the time difference between Abdullah and Washington was what about six, seven hours. It must be, yeah, yeah. Um, no, this is something I absolutely love about Twitter. Is this is the instant expertise that you get there? Um, I mean, as as you all know, the you know the thing that us journalists normally do is a big event happens, you ring around the expert in the area, you get some quotes from them, you laboriously write it down, transcribe it, and put it in your story. Now, if you are following people that you know you can trust, you you get that straight away on Twitter. I mean, and Again, I think that's a fabulous resource because a lot of the time when people call up analysts, you're actually, there's an element of the kind of dialogue quote. Um, you know, it's, you're in a hurry to get your story out. You need two analyst quotes in your story, so you ring up quickly. Um, if you're really only going to do a dialogue quote type thing, then you'd be just as well to take it off Twitter. If you want to talk to an analyst seriously, and get more out of it, then you know, drop that part of it, but then go out and talk to them, have lunch, find out what they've been hearing off the record, what they'll tell you in person, face to face, not what they'll just reel off, because they're now reeling that off on Twitter. So what is um, the writer's policy on using Twitter? Um, we, um, uh, we use, we now use, if, we're, if there are people that we know, um, and that we follow enough to be reputable, we would quote them and say, so and so said on his Twitter feed or her Twitter feed. Um, so yeah, so you've got this, um, uh, I didn't even see it when it came out, but this incredibly fast presentation from uh, um, Foreign Affairs on uh, um, how Al-Qaeda works. We haven't included in this, and it would be interesting to include it, the, the actual announcement of bin Laden's death, because uh, clearly we're now on the post-Obama post, uh, announcement. Um, this woman, um, all things, uh, on, on Twitter she's called All Things Counterterrorism. Her name is Leah Farrell. She's in Australia. Um, she spent uh, years tracking and doing a thesis on Al-Qaeda. Before that, she was working on counterterrorism for Australia, um, I think in the Australian police. And I've been following her, and everything, as far as I can see, she's got pretty much everything right. Um, and um, to me, it's a, it's a fantastic resource that you can, and a fantastic resource, and also incredible in terms of the time differences, that you can have somebody sitting in Australia commenting on an event that's announced in Washington, and then having a conversation with someone in Pakistan about what that means. And this is, and we'll come up to this in the discussion, this is, it's phenomenally challenging for us journalists as well, because we like to think that we're the ones who are either the experts ourselves or 
the intermediaries. And people like, like Leia have completely cut out our role as intermediaries. That's the kind of um, glass half empty way of looking at it. I mean, the way I look at it is that here is someone who will tell me far better than any, probably any journalist, very quickly how to assess a new piece of information about Al-Qaeda. Um, armed with that information, I can then know and spend, you know, know what I need to spend my time on in terms of chasing stuff. So arguably, once you get past the slightly defensive barriers that most journalists put up, this is, this is a, a, a great resource and a great time saver for us. Um, she's, um, uh, I mean, for example, I don't know if, if, how much you've all followed this, but I think it was the weekend after bin Laden was killed, um, the Americans in a briefing by unnamed senior official, um, they've done a lot of briefings by unnamed senior officials <laughs> since bin Laden was killed. And this particular unnamed senior official um, said that um, it was very clear that they were running a, a command and control center in, in the bin Laden compound, that he was actively involved in operations, and very clear quotes backing this up. The, um, I mean, the jury is still out, and we still haven't seen the evidence to suggest whether he was, in fact, seriously actively involved or whether, as has been suggested by some Pakistanis, he was actually pretty much disconnected from his network. As a journalist, I, my job is to reserve judgment and simply collect the different points. But she can come in and say, well, wait a minute, you know, as she did that weekend, um, you know, she started questioning. She said, well, wait a minute, I'm not sure I agree with this. And, you know, that's, that's actually healthy for the press. And I also think it's quite healthy for, if, if you believe in democracy, which I do, I think it's very healthy that someone who knows that subject really well can, can um, come up with a tweet from, from Australia saying, I don't agree what the, with the, what this guy is selling, the line he's selling in Washington. I mean, ultimately, you've got a better chance of getting at the truth than you're going to get with what are quite often non-specialist journalists um, having to you know, go through a briefing and, 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 and I mean it all happens to us all. If you go to a briefing on a subject you don't know, you get bamboozled um, and then you're in, under pressure, you're in a rush, then your capacity to question that is really hard. Now I don't know if it happened in this case, but a really good thing to have done would have been to have been at that press conference with your, with your BlackBerry or whatever, watching what Leah Farrell was saying and then asking that official while the press conference was going, was going on, saying, but wait a minute, the experts are challenging you. And uh, you might, all of us would have got a better story out of it. As I say, this is very much a kind of new medium, so people are still kind of learning how to use it. Um, but as you see, um, Here's, here's her discussing with a chap who I think is in the States arguing about this whole operational issue. Um, another thing I love about Twitter, and it's, um, it's again, it, it is both a challenge and an opportunity for journalists, is that because you've got thousands of people out there using Twitter, then you've got thousands, thousands of people collecting, checking, and curating information far more than any single news organization can do. And um, uh, one of the things this organization did 
It's actually, if you go through the links later, it's interesting because this, this is a particular website that curates the best tweets from the most authoritative sources on a breaking event. Um, and, and I have to keep stressing this, this is not a threat to us, this is simply somebody has, somebody has done our work for us by curating the best stuff and then we then need to take that and then check it further. It's just, what's the uh, name of the website? It's uh, chirpstory.com. It's, it's there. Um, um, and uh, again, you'll see that Jazeera did live blogs and live reactions to it. Um, now, just again, moving ahead quickly, I mean, this is, I, I has been very much focused on Pakistan. I'm afraid that's my area, but I've got a few examples for the Middle East as well. Uh, the Pakistan Prime Minister was speaking in Parliament last week, and I was really interested to know what he had to say. It was slightly predictable, but I still wanted to know. Um, there were three people, all of whom I sort of know through Twitter or through other means, who uh, who live tweeted his entire speech. Between the three, and reliable journalists, so between the three of them, they got all the key points of his speech. Um, and people that you, you, you would trust to get it right. Um, and you had people at the same time while they were live tweeting it, chipping in with commentary. Um, so here you go, you've got um, Andrew Exxon was based in Washington, saying as that speech was going on, what everybody was thinking, which is that the Pakistan civilian leaders are squandering their opportunity to get a handle on the military um, over the Bin Laden debacle. And for anyone covering that story, it, it in theory would have given you a fabulous head start because you knew what he said, you knew what the commentary was, so you could actually just pick that up and run that out and then start digging and digging and digging further into is the instant reaction really correct, is there more to it, are there some details that we've missed? Okay, I mentioned earlier the disintermediation of journalists. Um, it's, it's a tricky one to manage, we all like to pretend that we're indispensable, um, but again, we have a complicated system in Reuters for tracking um, uh, tracking statements by Al-Qaeda and other groups. And it, it's a little bit cumbersome, but we tend, we have some fixed sites that we monitor. But this woman, again, I, I, she helps monitor other sites, so she was the first to say, well, here's a statement by Osama bin Laden's son. It wasn't earth-shattering news, but in the end, if you've got somebody else doing the monitoring for you, who knows how to judge whether a site is authentic or not, then that cuts out for us journalists an awful lot of work in the kind of monitoring that we have to do. Um, okay, here's one um, that I was involved in. Uh, this was a Saturday night, um, too late to wake up Pakistan, and there were various rumors going around. Um, there was a um, there was one particular rumor that. Pakistan had outed the names of the CIA station chief, and there were lots of rumors about um, Lieutenant General Pasha, the head of the ISI, going to Washington. So um, one of the women in, in Washington, who frequently is on Twitter, asked the Pakistan ambassador to Washington a question about the outing of the state, um, 
CIA station chief, and then I went in and asked him about the um, uh, general pressure in Washington. And you get straight away an answer from um, Washington. Um, again, breaking down everything, but I, I think, again, I, I keep stressing this fabulous resource. The, the borders are going down. The whole way journalism is being constructed is going down. The old days where you used the very old days that I remember where you know, you, you didn't have mobile phones and you would have to go to an ambassador's office and, you know, chat up his secretary and persuade her to ask the question of the press secretary who might talk to the ambassador are gone. Nowadays, you ask a question, you get an answer. Um, that is, to my mind, a good thing. Um, okay, this misinformation and error correction, again, is, is quite impressive. I mean, a lot of people are rightly worried about, being, about Twitter being... Um, unreliable. Um, but what I've noticed on the whole is that um, when people say things that are clearly wrong or um, are clearly misleading, then you tend to get other people very quickly coming in and saying, well, wait a minute, that's not right. And the effect of it is to, is to get rid of errors quite quickly. And I notice even in Libya where uh, some of the some of the, obviously, the, 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 on the rebel side, there's been heavy spin about how, at certain beginning, about how successful they were being in in, uh, um, in their military campaign at the beginning. But I also noticed some of them coming on and saying, "Hey, wait a minute, guys, nobody's going to take us seriously if we make up stories. So let's just be responsible and try and be a bit more credible." And watching people out loud doing what all of us have have had to learn to do professionally for years was was really quite impressive. It doesn't mean you don't still get spin, but there is a self-correction mechanism in there. So, um, yeah, this one, I, I'm sure you all remember, there was a lot of um, the dead Bin Laden photo that turned out not to be a dead Bin Laden, uh, which we didn't run, thankfully. Um, you may not matter what happened to that. Somebody put out on the internet, and it started doing the rounds on the internet, a picture that claimed to be the authentic picture of Bin Laden. Um, and I think it looked authentic, and I certainly saw it running quite a few, uh, around a few, quite a few, few places. Um, and it seems like one of the first, one of the first people to start saying, wait a minute, this isn't right, was actually on Twitter. Um, I don't know if other media's picked it up. I know we, I'm pretty sure we didn't. Um, so, um, <coughs> This is actually Mark's conclusion, but I totally agree with it, is Twitter was front, back, and center of this story. Um, <coughs> almost everything you need to know about journalism in the age of social networks was illustrated by Twitter. Um, and um, so I just want to go through very quickly just a couple of other things just to give you some examples. It's not just Bin Laden and also not just um, uh, Twitter. This one, for example, this was about the um, right at the very beginning of the Libya war. We didn't have anybody in Tripoli, and nobody really had anybody in Tripoli. And we desperately needed to know what was going on there. Now, through Twitter, we noticed that people were posting up what claimed to be an eyewitness account of a woman in, in Jerusalem who'd interviewed by Skype. A, what she said was a reliable person in Tripoli describing the atmosphere. 
So we got her story. Um, she's at, sorry, she's in Tel Aviv, not Jerusalem. Um, we found out through Twitter, and we then got in touch with the bureau in our bureau in Jerusalem to find out whether this woman was reliable, um, because she was saying that she, you know, and obviously anybody can make this up, but <coughs> she was saying she's spoken to someone who's a good source in Tripoli. We want to use it. Um, it turned out that. Um, not only did they know her, but she was the best friend of one of the one of our senior correspondents' daughter. They all vouched for her. They thought she was 100% reliable. And on that basis, we were able to run. We run it here, but we also run it to our financial clients. A guest contribution saying, um, you know, here is here is what this person in Tripoli is saying. It's it's like. Um, very valuable early information. If you remember early on, it was very hard even to get phone calls through. So we ran this to length, and it's it's a, as I said, fabulous resource. It'd be really nice if we got it first, but if we don't, then we'll run a third party thing. Um, now, the other one, just very, very quickly, just because some of you are probably interested in the Middle East, I just wanted to just point up, and somebody, one, one of you asked about commentary. This guy, Shadi and me, we quote a lot in our stories. Um, he's pretty, you know, obviously taken reasonably seriously. Um, he puts a huge amount of commentary out on Twitter, and he also does live tweets of scheduled Arabic language speeches. So, again, someone who's a fabulous resource, you could watch him live tweet a speech and comment on it, and you would know um, probably more about it than if you were standing in Tahrir. Square yourself, not speaking Arabic. Um, and then this one I just gave as an example because he's very active. Again, somebody constantly busy on Twitter, uh, constantly putting links out there and focusing very much on the Middle East and Afghanistan, which is why I follow him. Um, now, the only one final point I wanted to make was to put up my own Twitter page. Um, uh, I was going to say, not really much from me there, but the, the the thing that's making it more and more reliable now is that it, is this is a, a many. Forgive me if this is obvious to many of you, but it's not always obvious to others. Is that people are not just sort of going on there and saying, "Hey, I saw this or I saw that." People are more and more trading links. So people people will, will put something up there with a link and say, "Is this correct?" Um, through that link, you've got the original source, and um, you've got actually in 140 characters, you've got something like anything between sort of 800 to 2,000 words in that single 140 characters, which people will then click on the link, go through it, come back and say, actually, that's not right, the source is wrong, the background is wrong, or whatever. So it's, as I said, fabulous resource. Now, I've taken my half hour, so. Um, I think I'd probably rather stop. And it, this is one of my favorite subjects, so I can go on about it, but I think I'll stop for now and uh, ask, let you guys ask questions. Mm -hmm.